Hi everybody, Mike Hancock here and welcome to uh, our webinar with Colin Kennedy, who is a reputation and brand expert originally from Durban or KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa these days living in Auckland and been a fantastic friend and client for many years now, Colin. Welcome today and it's great to see you. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here and seeing so many familiar faces and some new ones as well. Yep, there's some new ones here and some old ones for you as well. But um, I want to start with a, a question for you. Um, what is reputation? And then a follow-up question is, why is it so important? I think um, reputation is one of those interesting things in that, that it's a common word like communication. So we we all have our, our you know ideas in our head about what it means. But to my mind, you have two kinds of reputation, and that's not a bad reputation, a good reputation. Um, what I'm referring to is that uh, you can have two kinds of reputation. One is where you're good at what you do, um, and you, you know, you're a good character. You may have integrity. You may be honest. Your customer service may be good. All of those sorts of things, um, and that is a reputation uh, that is good, but doesn't necessarily move people. It doesn't move them emotionally and it doesn't move them to action. You may be in a room where somebody goes and, and you know, maybe you're in marketing and somebody goes, oh, who here knows a good marketer? And somebody goes, oh, yeah, I know Joe down the road. And you're standing there and thinking, well, what about me? You know, they know I'm good at this. What, you know, why didn't they choose me? Because, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with your reputation. It's just that, you know, it, it's not one that, that moves people. Um, and, and I call that, that a, a common reputation because it's one that you can have amongst um, friends, family, a, a community, you know, even a, even a small business community. Um, but it's, it's relatively inert. Um, it's kind of who you are and what you do. And then there's the other kind of reputation that moves people. It moves them emotionally or it moves them to action. And I call that your, your compelling reputation. And that, that's a kind of reputation that extends beyond um, family, friends, and community. It can be um, national or it can be global. Um, and it's, uh, it's one that you walk into a room and people know who you are. Um, and I think that people take action as well. And I think this is a really interesting point because, you know, if I look at everybody on this call so far that's here, you know, every single person here has has a really good reputation for what they do. But obviously certain people are more successful than others. And that probably comes back to what you're saying about how somebody emotionally moves them with their reputation. So give me an example of somebody that you would think does that. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a sort of an A-list celebrity example. It could be somebody you know locally and what it is that, you know, you feel are the key components of, moving somebody emotionally well well to set that context i sort of said you get good reputation and bad reputation what we're talking about is either a common or, or a compelling reputation and um if you have a compelling reputation it doesn't necessarily need to be a good reputation to to advance your cause it can be bad in the eyes of some, you know, you have people, and coming around to the, your question and the example, you have people who people love and you have people who, who hate those same people. Um, they have a compelling reputation. Here in New Zealand, for example, we have Bishop Brian Tamaki. You know, um, there are people who love him and there are people who hate him. Um, and he doesn't care because he has his mission his reputation moves people um, one way or the other. You know, they start throwing things at the screen or they, you know, um, you know they, they jump up and support him and defend him. And um, if you are more intent on being everything to everybody, and, and that's, that's a natural inclination and that, that's what forms the common reputation is just putting up this really good facade. If you want to be everything to, to everybody, you're going to end up being nobody to anybody pretty much so um, if, if you look at somebody um, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, uh, Brian Tamaki, Nelson Mandela 
you can call them polarizing, you can call them opinionated, you can call them powerful, um, but you can never call them passive. Um, and that's the difference. If, if you want a reputation that pops, you're actually going to have to stretch yourself out of the comfort zone, out of your safe place, um, and be prepared to, to annoy people, make people angry, make people throw stuff at you, knowing that there's a group of people, your fan base, who are going to love you. It's interesting because on my call that I just had with, um, with my Australian friend I was talking to you about before, um, we, had to, we had a couple of interesting conversations. So, you know, you know this, but not, uh, not many of the other people on the call, apart from the South Africans will know this, is that, um, you know, at the moment in South Africa, we have the, the, the most recent president, Jacob Zuma, is currently in prison. Um, in my mind, probably they should throw away the key, but uh, that's the side of the fence that I sit on. Um, and then, you know, of course, he didn't want to go to prison. Now he's complaining about the quality of food and the quality of accommodations in prisons. Surprise, surprise. But then on the other hand, you've got uh, now a whole lot of radical supporters of his basically looting and destroying parts of the country and things like this because he still has a reasonably high-level fan base there. So... Um, so this tends to be, you know, sort of radical reputations that we've got at the moment. And, you know, whether you look at the, the big two on the planet, the Trump versus Biden sort of reputation stakes as well. What uh, my friend and I were just talking about, Colin, I'd be really interested in your opinion of this is, you know, there are no, at the moment, I don't know who they are. We couldn't think of one. There are no Mother Teresas anymore. There are no... Uh, Mandela's anymore. There are no Gandhi's anymore. The people who are true leaders who have led through um, through you know really strong opinions and strong polarization, but without necessarily you know turning that into you know the next civil war or something like that. These days, it's very altercational. You know what's happening in the world? I think in terms of reputation, that's creating us to to go to this really polarizing place? And um, is there a way as, as a business people that we can build a reputation that's, that's really solid and really emotional without, you know, getting cakes thrown at us? Yeah, I think, Mike, part of it is, as you say, it's, it's almost like, um, and, and uh, for example, uh, you know, I worked with, with Alex, who's also part of Circle of Excellence with Bishop yep. Ryan Tamaki. And he said, for example, you know, that if he doesn't say something that's out there or do something that's out there, he gets ignored. And um, if, if you want a compelling reputation, um, being ignored is death. Um, I think what's happened is, is your, your media channels in the past have, have uh, been controlled by a select few, the, the journalists, the media, in the newspapers, radio, TV, that sort of thing. Um, they acted as a filter. They got to decide who, you know, who should be represented and who shouldn't. And, and what you've had now is this explosion of social media. You've had an explosion of alternative news channels and all of that, and it suddenly got very, very noisy. Um, so it's, a, it's come down to the people in the room making the most noise, uh, you know, shouting the loudest, who, who, who in a lot of ways, particularly in politics, are standing out. I think, though... Um, you know, that it is still possible to, uh, to not be, you know, uh, I guess, uh, nutty, <laughs> for want of a better word, you know, to, to sort of say really stupid or outlandish things or, or you know, sprout hate or whatever it is. Um, it is still possible to, to build a reputation that um, is considered and reasonable, um, but... And, that, and that's not actually quite difficult. You know, that's not actually difficult anymore because people are so polarized. Even when people are saying reasonable things, they're getting cancelled or you know um, shoved out. So, and that's another thing you need to you, you need to embrace in this world. If you want to 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 stand out, if you, if you want to get noticed, um, you're going to you're putting yourself out, out there on the line. And and there's no you know there's no other easy way to do it. I, I was doing some work with a law firm and, and we were putting out media for him every month and eventually he said to me, I don't want to do this anymore because it's stressful. Um, and it is, you know. Uh, so it, it takes a certain APS personality, but it also takes, 
you know, if you have a passion for what you want to do and what you want to achieve, I think that will start to come through um, and you don't necessarily have to re resort to some of the tactics that politicians use, but you certainly do need to be prepared to, um, you know, have people who love you and people who hate you. One of the things when uh, a couple of weeks ago, Colin, and uh, I'll move into bad reputation in a minute, which I want to talk about. But a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a friend of mine, Thomas Power, on, on this call. Thomas ran the first real social network on the planet, really, Academy, um, which he sold to a bank. Um, and, you know, he was saying he had Mark Zuckerberg as a member. He had Reid Hoffman as a member and, and many others of Academy. So he got to know them quite well. But it's fascinating to me at the moment because I was chatting with a friend of mine um, last week from New Zealand. He told me, he actually sent me through, he sent me through an article which, which uh, was a political article that said Jacinda Ardern's um, popularity rating is now down to 38%, the lowest it's ever been. And, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Um, I won't give you my political opinion on it. Then I went and had a look at uh, a couple of articles myself. And I, on the same day, I saw an article in another paper that said her popularity ratings, the highest it's ever been. So <laughs> it's like, what the, you know, the, the heck's yeah. going on? And these were two, both two credible news sources from a New Zealand perspective. And I know if you look at, if you look at Sky News in Australia, Sky News in Australia if, if Joe Biden sniffs, they want to put him in a coffin and lock him up for being, you know, unable to um, do anything. And then if you go to, say, CNN, they think he's the smartest president that ever lived. So, and all in the same day. So this polarisation of media, the left, the right, and everything like this, is, this, is there a way in which we as business people can utilise this find our tribe within that to build our reputation within whatever media that we resonate with, whether it be left, right, north, south, east, west, it doesn't matter. If you look at somebody like um, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, uh, when I talk to family in, in South Africa and friends in Australia, they adore her. They think she's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And, um, and that's fine. Yeah, and you have people in you know in New Zealand who feel the same way, and you have um, people who feel differently. What she does very very well um, is that uh, she's she's a master communicator, um, and she's a master putting a spin on on things that that you know, and, and a positive spin on things as well. So, I think if if one of the lessons we can learn is if you want to stand out and, and you know, um, be polarizing, you don't necessarily have to be nasty about it. And I think she, she does it very well where she is never nasty. It, it is a difficult, you know, road to tread. The other thing that, that we can learn from politicians um, and, and others in the, the public eye is that yes, there is social media. Okay, so there are social media channels but all of them understand the importance of the news media. The news media is far from irrelevant. Uh, it is still sets the bar in terms of if you want a reputation, you're not going to, you're not going to really get too much traction very quickly using social media. The, um, the other thing is, is, so you need that. And then that's one of the points we talk about in terms of, you know, the, the I guess the elements of building reputation, one of them is third party endorsement. And you need media, you need news media and journalists to be talking about you, even in this age when um, we have so much social media. The other thing is you will notice that very few of them talk about themselves. I don't hear Jacinda Ardern talking about herself. <clears throat> I don't even hear, um, well, Trump might be slightly different, um, but even Trump's conversations were issues related, um, as is Adurns. They're addressing the problems and the issues and the concerns of, of their audience. <coughs> let, me ask, let me ask a question while, whilst you sort of, um, you know, just uh, grab a drink of water or whatever you need to do. But, but uh, you know... I recently, I was, I was looking into this New Zealand thing and, and um, 
John Key had three, he was the previous Prime Minister, he had three uh, people employed in PR in the Prime Ministerial Department. Jacinda's got 21, uh, 21 PR people, senior PR people employed. So um, it's obviously, it's obvious that the spin's coming out in, and there's a whole team behind the spin. From, from our point of view, most of us have never engaged PR to, to really help us with our spin. And how important do you think it is these days to get that type of advice, that type of reputation advice um, from somebody who really knows what they're doing, who can help you brand build and reputation build? I think it's very important, Mike. If, if you know, in, in terms of... Um... The, the point I was coming back to sooner, you, you see a lot of business people on social media talking about their businesses and themselves, what they're doing, how they're growing, the, you know, um, the products, the services, their, their story. And, and these things are important. You know, there's no, there's no question that, that um, you know, if, if, if you have a, a compelling story about your past that establishes your credentials, um, and that's something you teach. It is a story you, you need to be telling. Um, there's no question about that. But the other aspect um, of that is that, you, you know, you, you sort of, you need to uh, be current and you need to be relevant. And to be current and relevant, you need to be talking about your audience's concerns, your audience's issues. And the media is very good at doing that. The media is not interested in you. The media is interested in what you can do or say for your audience, their audience. And there's a lesson to be learned from that. And, and so you sort of see uh, a lot of uh, business people, they get the idea that they need to be communicating. They have some channels that are available to them, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and that sort of thing. But they're having the wrong conversation for the most part. Exactly. They're having a conversation about themselves. They're not dealing with issues that their audience is concerned with. So the engagement is really, really low. You know, Once you've established your credentials, once people know who you are, they start to listen to your ideas, but only if your ideas have relevance in their lives. Um, and that's why media and media advice is really important because um, people who, who are good at this will know what the issues are. They'll be looking for the story angles that will help give you the platform that you need um, to get media attention. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a, a, a sort of a, a situation going on here in Auckland where a lot of businesses were being shut because the council was building a bus busway. And so all the foot traffic dried up. There was no parking. Businesses were really, really struggling. And so an accounting firm, we did, we did some media for them uh, where they, they went out with a story about what to do uh, when the council throws your business under the busway sort of thing. And, and the idea being there, everybody else who wasn't, you know, an influence or wanting an influence or to stand out was moaning. You know, this is wrong and the council should do this and this isn't happening. And they went out and said, okay, so if the council's throwing your business under the busway, what can you do about it? Well, if you're selling coffees, grab an iPad and start walking those office corridors and, and taking orders mobilely. So, you know, they, they were offering solutions around real and pressing issues. And the media listened, the media picked that story up and, and, and you know, gave it traction. So uh, there's, a, there's a difference between having the channels and telling the story and having the channels and telling the right stories. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. And, and Philippe's asked if we can dig into this a, a little bit deeper, and I think it's a great idea. So um, let me, let me, let's use Philippe as an example, because I know you know Philippe and, you know, he's an industrial designer and, you know, speaker and that type of thing. So if you looked at, at what you... You know, if you looked at two messages, one that Philippe could give to the marketplace, which is, hey, you know, I'm an industrial designer. I've sold over $200 million worth of uh, industrial designs. You know, I can do this. I can make you relevant. I can make you uh, modern, all of that sort of stuff. Um, that's sort of one story. But knowing Philippe a little bit, how would you position a story so that it's um, his storytelling is really sort of compelling and building uh, a more compelling reputation for him? Um, 
Philippe, if, if I asked you a question, if, if you unmuted it, and I, I sort of said to you, so um, what's wrong with, you know, industrial design? What's wrong with the space you're working in at the moment? And why is it wrong? What would you tell me? Uh, that's a very good one. I think the, the main thing is uh, obsolesc obsolescence. So we built a product for that are pretty much all disposable. And even cars, you know, you could repair cars, you know, 20 years ago and do that yourself. Now there's no way that you can do that with a new car. And the next generation is even worse. Um, your iPhone is the same, everything. So it's, it's all designed in such a way that you're, you, you're prisoner to the brand and, and you can't do anything. So we need to redesign all products so that they can be repaired, reused and, and recycled. You've also got a whole um, area around uh, products and packages, haven't you? In, in, in that the, um, the industrial products you're talking about come packaged in polystyrene and that sort of thing, don't they? Yeah, that's true. There's a whole um, ecological impact of shipping and everything. Um, but I think that's, that's minor in comparison to the plan obsolescence of 99.9% of, .9 of the products out there. But what, what, what harm does planned obsolescence do? What's the cost to society from planned obsolescence? Well, the cost is multiple fold. One is there's an ecological cost. Uh, instead, instead of uh, you know, digging the earth for one phone every few years, you need to dig the earth for an iPhone every two years now. Um, and, what's the, and what's the solution? Uh, a, new, a new design that allows repair, reuse, and recycle. So you mm -hmm. could have part of your phone that can be reused. You could upgrade only the chip and not the rest of the phone. You could, so there, there are plenty of uh, ideas that you could put in place so that you don't have to throw away the whole thing. And, and what, what, we're, what we're sort of looking at there is, is the story that you can start telling and, and, and be advocating is, is one is, is to be positioning yourself as, um, you know, as having a cause. So, so if you wanted to build a reputation, one of the first things you need is a strong cause that yeah. uh, is to the benefit of all of you, you know, um, mankind or your community. Um, yeah. And then you need to be driving that cause. So it's not about Philippe and it's not about your products. It's about the cause that you're championing. And, and that cause may be, um, that it's, you know, you're campaigning for an end to obsolescence or, or built-in obsolescence. And the reasons why is it's damaging the planet. It's, it's hurting us economically. It's, you know, it's, it's, you need to deal with the cost and then, then be talking about the solution. But if you took that as a cause and said, you know, I'm going to be campaigning, I'm going to be putting out media releases, I'm going to be writing columns about the fact that we need to end planned obsolescence because it's doing this damage and this harm, um, and this is what we need to be doing to fixing it. That's your story. That's a narrative that you can then roll. With one um, proviso, you need to be examining your environment on a daily basis. You need to be reading the news media. You need to be watching social media to see what people are talking about, what are the issues, and how you can tie them back into your cause so that you're making it current and relevant. I think this is a really important part of the story is that um, we all have our, you know, our, our, our historical narratives of who we are and what we do. Um, yeah. the, the, you know, the, you, have, you will have your story about how you came to be doing what you're doing and why it makes you passionate. And, but you need to have a dynamic story, one that is, is continuing to grow and evolve daily and that means being aware of what's going on about around you and commenting on it. You will see Elon Musk, you will see all of these people, when they're commenting, when they're talking, they're talking about current issues and current events. Uh, so you have to make yourself part of the conversation um, and be examining your environment and saying, well, you know, where do I see planned obsolescence and, and its impact happening in the world so that I can bring my comment into it and add to it? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, very much. I think I think you've, yeah, that's that's sort of been very helpful. Uh, Philippe gave you the thumbs up, 
But let's let's take what you said, Colin. Let me ask you this question because I think this will be relevant for a lot of people who are on the call, watching the recording or listening to the recording of this, is that, um, you know, most of us struggle to find a story. So we think we're ordinary. You know, we came from an ordinary family. You know, okay, mum and dad were divorced, but so was everybody else's parents. You know, we, we grew up in suburbia. We, you know learned this we learned that we went to this university then we worked for this corporate now we've come out and we're now we're running our coaching practice or our speaking business or creating our product line or whatever we're doing but it's all very very ordinary so how do we get a story out of that it's certainly one that's compelling yeah if, if you don't have a story you need to start creating it today and you know, you, you have to go out and, and find or make your adventure around what it is that you're doing. So in terms of um, Philippe, for example, you know, what kind of challenge or, or uh, huge undertaking can you initiate and begin to drive that will, you know, maybe create some, you know, momentum around obsolescence? You know, what can you drive down the, the main street, you know, every day that, that sort of points to the perils of obsolescence. So you, you, need, to, you need to develop your adventure and it's not easy. Um, and, and I guess that's sometimes why you have people in, in reputation sort of help, helping to come up with those ideas. But um, you also need to, uh, as sort of as an aside, you also need to uh, be careful of, of, of what you, you sort of wish for because Stories are always evolving and are always, always dynamic. And, and I think that's quite important. Even if you've got a story and it's a few years old, you might establish your credentials, but it's starting to get old. So we actually need to be creating our stories and building our adventures every single day. And it's quite funny, you know, you, you'll know, Mark, that um, my story has been in part that I was, you know, I was raised in a religious cult and, and I served in military intelligence around propaganda and, and influence and intelligence. And um, I worked in the media. And uh, when I was first looking at doing some professional speaking and I called a speaker's agent and he said to me, oh, don't call me if you don't have any legs. Um, <laughs> what do you mean if I don't have any legs? And he said, people aren't interested if you don't, if you still got your legs. Um, and, and I guess what, what he was saying is that, you know, unless I'd suffered some kind of traumatic terrible story in the past that, that, you know, you weren't going to be compelling. And I was talking to another Circle of Excellence member in December, Dennis Giannoutsos, and, you know, and I said to him, I don't have a medical story like you, Dennis. And then on the 25th of January, I had a ruptured brain aneurysm. So um, I guess you need to be careful of what you wish for. Um, so I'm not saying go out and get a brain aneurysm. Um, not, not advisable. But Look at what you do. Look at what you're passionate about. And, and if you start with a cause, if you find a cause that you can champion, it's going to make it much easier for you to begin writing your story now. And, and a, you know, a dynamic story is not a historical story. It is a story that is evolving every day um, in the telling. And have a cause that will give you your story and you can start to, to look at the world around you and sort of see, well, what's wrong? What are the issues? What are the problems? And, and that will help you create the story. Great. I think uh, great, great points. Tell me about consistency, Colin, because, you know, I see a lot of people that, uh, that hit the media and that there's something good and then you don't hear from them for six months and then you wonder what they're doing and then suddenly they pop up again and there's something else. So, you know, is consistency really um, important? It comes back to having um, that dynamic story and being, you know, and being consistent in terms of your presence. So we've all talked about online, you know, your online digital footprint. If somebody Googles your name or, you know, what's going to come up. But if what comes up deadlines to 2017 and 2012, it's, it's no longer relevant. You know, you're no longer relevant. You need to be datelining now, 2020, 2021. And that story, the, the, the consistency needs to be consistent with what your message is and what your narrative 
is. If I look and uh, you know, if Philip's doing a Philippe's doing a, a Zoom call with me, and I look behind him and I see a um, printer that will be obsolescent in, in a year, that's not consistent with the story that, that Philippe is telling. So it's in everything around you and, and you know, from the colors of your brand, if you're working in the eco space um, and you have colors that people don't normally associate with you know, conservation and ecology, you know, it doesn't matter if everybody in the conservation and ecology is using the same colors, that's what, what it is. And so you need to be, you know, consistent with that in terms of your coloring in, in your brand. Um, if you drive a Dodge Charger Hellcat V8, which, which I quite like, by the way. Obviously. Um, <laughs> it's inconsistent with, with, you know, an ecological conservationist brand. Um, so the way you dress, the car you drive, uh, the, the stuff you surround yourself with, the stuff that you use and work with needs to be consistent with who you are. And you need to be making sure that you're pretty much in the news, up to date and on a regular basis. And, and one of the things we have with um, the internet is authority. So a lot of people don't know that Google ranks websites by an authority rating of zero to 100. If you're a news media, uh, you know, the New York Times, the New Zealand Herald, uh, you know, um, Cape Times, you have an authority ranking of between 80 and 100. So when somebody searches up a subject, they might search up Dodge Charger Hellcat V8. Um, if there is an article, you know, in the New Zealand Herald about a Dodge Charger Hellcat V8, it's going to be right at the top of your Google rankings. So getting yourself into the media actually elevates you in terms of Google search above your uh, competitors. The normal average business website, probably a ranking of between 8 and 25. So when people search stuff related to your products or services, um, you're not going to rank very highly because there'll be media articles and blogs and all of that sort of thing ahead of you. So being consistent is also about being up to date, um, being you know, in the media, but making sure that everything around your narrative and your story is consistent with, with who you say you are and, and what you are being. Very good. Um, Colleen Joy here has got a, a question in the chat saying she has the opposite problem of Philippe in of minimizing her story for fear of causing waves. That, that's the, the very opposite of what you want to be doing. Um, if, if you want to build a compelling reputation, you need to embrace the, the fear uh, and feel the feel and, 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 and take it on. Um, step out there, own yourself, uh, be who you are. You're going to have haters, but you're also going to have people that love you. That, that's, that's, you know, that's just the nature of it. Um, and it is the biggest struggle for a lot of people is, you know, like that lawyer, he was putting himself out there every month and it was causing him tremendous stress. Um, so you have to, you know, if you want to do something, if you want to make something, if you want a reputation that, that is compelling and, and dynamic and you want to be um, in the public eye and, and advance things and influence people and reach a wide audience, you're going to have to embrace the fear and, and step out there and, and own who you are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, totally. And, and uh, yeah, she's put in here, thanks. Um, one of the issues that I've had over the years, and I remember, and it's, it's, it's an, definitely an imprint I got many years ago, when a PR agent that I had on retainer for about four months came to me and she said, you know, I can't have you as a client anymore. And I said, why is, why is that? And she said, you're a PR nightmare. And I said, why is that? She goes, there's just too many things that you do and too much about you. I can't channel you into an area that gets traction. So I really thought about that. I thought, you know, definitely she was right at the time, probably still right. But, um, but, this brings up the question of relevance because in all of our lives, we have things that we do, you know, um, Philippe, let's, uh, he's getting a beating this morning with being a subject, but you know, he's an industrial designer, but he's also a lover of the finer things, a connoisseur 
of wonderful pastries and the delicacies of um, you know the culinary sect as well if you if you follow his Facebook. So you know how important is relevance when it comes to creating our reputation and and how do we keep the stuff that's that's not relevant out there? I remember I just six months ago I had a meeting with an accountant Lundy and I went to a meet an accountant as we sat in his office. I said, so uh, you're a scratch golfer, are you? And he said, how the hell do you know that? And I said, I Googled you. It's one of the first things that came up, right? So um, nothing about his accountancy expertise, but the fact that he's a scratch golfer and was the vice president of the golf club, that was there. So what do we do about the relevance? And that, that certainly, you know, certainly helps to, to paint a picture of the person and very often we don't have control over, you know, sometimes the things that, that come up in searches. The around relevance, that PR person that said to you they couldn't box you uh, probably wasn't seeing the bigger picture and that there are various levels that your reputation will go through, that your compelling reputation will move through. One of them is <clears throat> you become an expert in your area or your industry your area of expertise. So when the media want to know about finance or they want to know, for example, about, you know, entrepreneurship, they, they you know, if, if you were, you know, sort of same, same, say we're talking about you, for example, Mike, um, they'll come to you for an expert opinion on, you know, entrepreneurship. You can tweet, you can uh, set Facebook posts and all of that talking about entrepreneurship and people will listen because you're an entrepreneurial expert. You can take it to another level where, for example, um, you know, you, you're obviously a clearly a perspicacious person who has multiple talents in different areas. And so your reputation can actually build to another level where people want your opinion on all things. And, and that that is a whole other level where it takes on a life of its own. It, Elon Musk is a business person, entrepreneur, innovator, but he can tweet about anything. He can tweet about kids being lost in a cave, you know, um, in Asia, and the world listens. <clears throat> so his reputation has moved to a whole other level. So there's varying degrees of, of relevance, and it comes down to what your goals and your purpose and your ambitions are. But um, if you're struggling to, you know, even get to that first step, if you're struggling to get the, the media, um, what you have to remember is if you want to be relevant, you have to be relevant to the people that you want to lead. To my mind, thought leadership is, is, is about leadership. So if you want to be a thought leader, um, understand that you're about leading people. That, that's your first, you know, that's your first stop. So understand what their issues are your audience, understand what their problems are, understand the things that, that are affecting them that maybe they don't even know about, and then begin to have a conversation for them because your audience doesn't want to know about you. They want to know about what it's, what's in it for them. So your conversation, at those, certainly at those early stages, are about their interests, their problems, their questions. And some vehicles you, you can use to, to do that is um, you know, social issue, for example, we, we sort of talked about conservation and ecology. Um, it could be a problem that is impacting. Obsolescence is a problem, but, uh, you know, we would want to take that, that, that conversation bigger and broader in terms of, you know, what its national and global um, impacts are. Uh, having a cause, you know, it could be um, illiteracy, financial illiteracy in children. It's a cause that people can identify with and think, you know, if, if I support this, I'll be helping to change the world. It could also be a trend. Um, you know, it could be political correctness that, you, that you're speaking out against and, and rallying against. There's, there's a number of factors that you can then look to hang your relevance on. Um, I'll give you a good example as a, as a campaign that was run by Procter & Gamble um, a few years ago called like a girl. Now, Procter, Procter and Gamble will do, we're doing, and I'm always sort of, um, we're, we're doing a campaign around their always brand, which is sanitary pads, you know, of all things, um, aimed at teenage girls. And what they did with like a girl is that they, they ran a, a sort of series of videos 
where they ask the question, what does it mean to be, what does it mean like a girl? You fight like a girl, you throw like a girl, you run like a girl. And so they got girls to come up and say, run like a girl. And, and the girl would do this silly, you know, little, you know, throw like a girl and she'd do, you know, that sort of thing. And then they'd say to her, okay, now throw like Amy would throw, throw like you would throw. And Amy would just throw the ball, you know, run like Amy would run and Amy would just run. And, and they sort of, um, they identified that, that you know, uh, like a girl was, was demeaning in a lot of respects because, you know, girls don't like run like girls, girls run like, like themselves. And what they were talking, what they were tackling was a social issue where there was this unconscious bias in society, you know, fight like a girl. Whereas you've seen some MMA woman fight that, you know, they don't fight like girls. And being a father to three daughters, this really captured my, my imagination watching this. And I thought, yeah, this is just what my daughters need. You know, they need this, this confidence and this self-esteem. And, and I sent them the links to the video. And my <clears throat> oldest daughter comes to me and says, comes back to me on Facebook and says, I can't believe my dad's sending me videos about sanitary pads. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the thing was that what Procter & Gamble were addressing with that was confidence. They know that girls, their audience confidence plunges between the ages of 10 and 14. And so what they did is they addressed that confidence issue with their audience. And so they became very relevant to who their audience were. And, and here it was a, a straight up commercial product, but became quite a big social issue. So if you can find those social issues, if, if you can find those problems or, or a cause, you know, that, that people, that resonates, it will resonate with some people. Um, and that, that you can then use that as a platform to advance your interests. I, I don't think that you should be embarking on this journey unless you truly are passionate about what you do, unless you, you know, you do want to see change, unless you do want to help people and, and lead people as a thought leader, uh, those, are, those are your credentials. And, and if you're that, you're, you're not going to have much difficulty finding um, ways to be relevant to your audience. Exactly. I think uh, really some very good points there. Um, the, I've got one last question for you, Colin. It's really questions prompted by Colin Joy's comment here, but it's the, it's the question I think is on everybody's lips. Where's the balance between sharing insights and aspects of yourself and your genius and and I know it's different for everybody and allowing the world into your personal space so that they may attack you on your sexuality on the way you dress on you know the fact that you you know don't know you know where Afghanistan sits in the world on a map or, or any other thing that you could be doing? Where's the balance for us? Firstly, it depends on, on your objectives. What do you want to achieve and who do you be, want to become? Um, if you want to be a thought leader within a particular industry or sector, you keep the, the, the conversation and the narrative about your area of expertise. That's pretty, you know, those are pretty strong boundaries and people will, you know, more or less always uh, respect those. Um, understand though, if you're putting yourself out, out into the public eye, um, you are exposing yourself to some extent uh, anyway. But subject matter expertise, building your reputation in that area in your industry um, or in your area of expertise is probably a fairly safe, safe place to be. If you, however, want to change the world, there really isn't any safe place. Um, you're going to, you know, have your ducks in order before you step out there. Watch what you say. Um, you know, don't, don't say stupid things. And um, understand that, uh, you know, there's every possibility that people, you know, will dig into your life because you've now become a person of interest. And people of interest, people want to know more about them. Um, so they'll start Googling them. They'll start, you know, you, you may be a professional speaker who, or a public speaker who stood up on stage at a conference, gave a, a really good keynote. Um, 
people are going to go home or sitting right there, they're going to Google you. They're going to start, you know, you've aroused their curiosity. And, and that's, there's nothing you can do about that. You, you know, there's a price that we're prepared to pay, isn't there? Um, you know, Trump was prepared to pay a certain price to achieve the, the presidency of the United States. Um, Bishop Brian Tamaki is prepared to pay a certain price to, to impact people's lives in his own way. There's going to be a cost. Uh, nobody who has a high public profile is immune. That just doesn't happen. I love that. It's a, it's a fantastic place to sort of finish the formal part of this because I think that's is, you know, you, you, you have to pay the ferryman to get to the other side, so to speak. So, um, and this is going to come down for each and every listener and viewer on this as to how much you want and really believe in your own personal mission, how much you want to save the world, how much you want to be the lead designer, how much you, you know, want to bring people together in partnerships, how much you want to help people get over their personal problems or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, you're not going to be able to do that and really sit too far behind the wire. So, you know, there is going to be a price that you're going to pay. So you might as well grab it if you, or fade into obscurity. And, uh, you know, if you're going to grab it, then make sure you're doing all the things that Colin said here. Colin, uh, that was fantastic. Let's open it up for anybody with any questions as we sort of um, get to uh, sort of the end of the call. So I uh, got some thumbs up there. Anybody got any questions for Colin on reputation? Ian, was that scratching your nose or? Itch on my cheek. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Um, Colin, I've got one final question. Uh, people are saying it was a great presentation. You're getting a lot of thumbs up. My one final question is, you know, we had, um, I mentioned this on, on our marketing summit last week. Actually, I asked Alex this question. So I don't necessarily need an answer to this question, but this is what's happening at the moment. You know, we have a cancel culture in the world. We have um, trolls in the world that, you know, people that just for whatever reason decide they don't like you. They don't like what you stand for. Um, and those people can do reputational damage for you. And I, I'm thinking of one particular client of ours who, you know, literally had 47 positive testimonials for a coaching practice on Google. Um, and then somebody who literally doesn't like her went in under false names and started putting up, you know, really poor testimonials for and attacked her um, that way. And, uh, you know, even though the person or these individuals don't exist, they can't be found on any social media under the names and she knows it's one person, Google won't do anything about it. So, um, so my question is, what can be done if you start to find yourself getting attacked um, and your reputation scarred? What can be done? That's sort of my final round-off question for today. Yeah, it, it is a risk that everybody... <clears throat> runs even people who you know who aren't necessarily putting themselves in the limelight you might just be a, a person who uh, runs a cafe and you know come under attack from yep. somebody reviews f firstly don't doubt the intelligence of your audience if you have 50 great reviews there and there are three or four that are nasty um, they're probably going to take it on, on on the balance of probabilities that this is a good service. Um, and, and also people aren't stupid. They, they can sometimes interpret the difference between what is authentic and, and what is fake. The other thing is, if you have negative uh, mentions and when people Google your name or your business and negative things uh, come up, remember the authority rankings that Google applies. So firstly, for reviews, you can, again, you know, keep badgering at Google to change things. But Google works with authority. So if you're creating content and thought, leadership, thought leading content, relevant and important content, and you're getting it into the media, it begins to, and it's current, it begins to uh, achieve higher on the search engine results so that it begins to push those negative mentions down. So I'll give you an example. You may have had a blogger have a go at your business for one or the other reason. 
and when they Google your name, that Google that that um, that blogger's article comes right up at the top of the page. Now, there's a couple of reasons why that's happening. One is his blog obviously has reasonable site authority, although it's a blog, so it's not going to have stellar site authority, but it has reasonable site authority. It is recent, um, and that that's one of the reasons why you know it's come up to the top as well. And it, you know, it, it sort of talks about you or your business and your name. So it's matching those keywords. What you want to be doing is producing other content and getting it into the media or into higher authority, other higher authority websites that will publish that content um, more recently. And then we'll, so that in the search engine rankings, that content will feature higher than the negative stuff. And slowly, and, and we've done this as a business, slowly, it pushes the negative stuff down. We had a, a business, a person who was quite well known in the um, network marketing industry as a trainer and a coach. And he went into uh, fronting a cryptocurrency uh, brand that, that became quite known as a scam. Um, and so when you Googled his name, it came up with scam, con artist, you know, dodgy, all of these sorts of things. And it was all there. Uh, but he had had a really strong reputation when he'd worked in network marketing. And he came to us and he said, I can't put my name to any new business now because, you know, I realized that this, this organization was dodgy and I got out of there. But unfortunately, now my name is associated with it. What do we do? So we started, you know, creating press release articles talking about his area of strength, which was network marketing, the books, you know, he had written, that sort of thing, and starting to put that out into the media. And the media started to pick it up. And publish it and slowly but surely it pushed uh, the negative stuff to page two and page three and there's that old saying is where do you bury a dead body or hide a dead body it's on page two of google so what you want to do is be creating a ton of content on high authority sites that pushes that things down and you need to know where the high authority sites are they're not just medium you know they're not just newspaper or news sites like the bbc or the times or any of those Reddit has quite high authority as well. Uh, some websites that just publish news releases, such as in New Zealand here, um, scoop.co.nz, has very high authority. So it will always feature higher than, than most websites. So understand, you know, uh, Medium, which is an international blogging site, has very high authority. Check the authority of websites you can access and start writing for them, start publishing content to them, and eventually it pushes the negative stuff out the way. Very, very solid, Colin. Well done. And uh, I think that was great. And people really love that as a, as a finish. Um, thank you so much for being on the call today, folks. Thank you so much for being on the call. Next, uh, next week, you have Landy on the call with you. Colin, that was excellent. I really appreciate your time. I wish you all the best with your ongoing recovery from, uh, you know, uh, your aneurysm you had earlier this year, which was a real shock. And uh, it's just great to see you in, in good health and good spirits. Thanks so much. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for coming along.